You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. If you have a a Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Uh, If you don't have an app or anything, it'll come up on screen. uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up. Or uh, use your app on your phone or your tablet. Matthew 6. This is um, that's a portion of this great sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it. Jesus is on this hillside and gathered around him is this. Well, he's got his disciples. He's got his close friends. He's got his followers. But then at this particular time, he's on this hillside along this, this sea or this big lake called the Sea of Galilee. And it says that people from all over the place come. People who were Jewish, just like Jesus. People who were Greeks. People who were what we would call Gentiles. That's all of us. People from all over the place came and sat on this hillside to listen to Jesus teach. And in the middle of this is where we find this passage we're going to read from today. Matthew 6, 19. Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths cannot rust, uh, and uh, rust cannot destroy, moths cannot eat, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. We pray that God would bless us with further understanding as we read this scripture this morning. You can be seated. Man, this morning I was was thinking about this uh, young man who I was counseling with a while back who was coming to me and said, I was his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I'm feeling like I've got a call to ministry. And maybe you don't know what that is. That's, that's this phrase we use in the church world where it's like if you feel like maybe you're going to be giving your your life to do what I do, like be a pastor or a church planter or a preacher, we use that word call to ministry, which is kind of a weird thing because minister means to meet needs. And if you follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, it's all of our job or all of our responsibility as we follow him to meet needs of others that's what jesus is all about so we're all ministers so it's a weird phrase called to ministry what we what it just means is i want to make this my living either my vocation or in a lot of cases now bivocationally in other words i've got one job that pays the bills and i and i serve god because he's called me to do this either either way so anyway i'm i'm uh, kind of counseling with my young friend about kind of feeling out why he's feeling this way, where his prayer life is, how he's coming to these understandings. And he says, my main problem is my family. My family are against this, like big time. And I was like, I knew his family. They were good Christian folk. I'm like, why, why are they against this? Tell me, tell me why they're against this. I mean, they're, they, they're good Christian people. They go to church and stuff. Why would, I mean, they obviously, I mean, they they come to me for pastoral advice from time to time. They think being a pastor is a good thing. What is it? And he said, they tell me there's no money in this. But there's no money in being a pastor. And that was, his, that was like his big concern. His parents, actually, their big concern for their son as he was considering a career path was that there's no money in this. Now, a big part of adulting is 
uh, has to do with our attitudes and our, our uh, actions related to work and employment and finances. And uh, so today we're going to kind of get into that a little bit deeper. So as we do, what are some common thoughts that people have today about money? Talk to me. What are some, what are some common things that, that people think about money today? I need it. Yep. What else? Money could buy you happiness. Okay. Okay, one thought is love of money is the root of all evil. We're going to talk about all of that right there. Yep. What else? Get all you can. Okay, yeah, get all you can. All right, that's one thought. If you have money, all your problems will fade. That's good. Anything else? Yeah. Okay, there's never enough. No matter, how much, no matter how much I have, there's never enough. That's another thought. Anything else? Okay. Right. Money equals success. We're actually going to talk about all this today. This is this is great. Good stuff. So today, actually, we're continuing this series, adulting. It's it's like part two of adulting. Today, we're calling this like a boss because it's like it has to do with you know finding our way to earn money uh, in life. So what is our vocation? What is employment? And really, what does a godly view of finances and, and money look like? So what we hope to accomplish during our time together is kind of goes back to our little definition we're using for adulting for our time together. Adulting is practical adulthood rooted in a relationship with God. That's what we're looking at as, as, as we're going through this, this week and a couple more weeks after this. Practical adulthood rooted in a relationship with God. So, so while this is a diverse community, one of the things that we probably all have in common is, is there's a few things that we desire. And one thing I believe probably most of us desire to have in life is freedom. We want freedom. That's kind of, kind of one of the things that, that we want in here. We want our work, whatever that is, to be fulfilling. But that's a desire we have. Fulfilling, even though we may define it differently, fulfilling to me might mean something different than fulfilling to you. We want our work to be fulfilling. So here's the, the really big takeaway for me uh, on my experience in, in life thus far. God provides the tools to become a healthy, functioning adult. That's where I start. That's what I've learned. One thing I've learned in my almost 50 years, that God provides the tools to become a healthy, functioning adult. And so as we look at Matthew 6 a little deeper uh, th- this morning, we're going to find some of those tools um, that God provides to do this. So here's the big idea. Work hard and be wise with what you have, and you'll build good habits and a solid foundation for your future. That's the big idea today. Work hard and be wise with what you have, and you'll build good habits and a solid foundation for your future. So a few things about that. The first thing is Jesus talks about treasure, right? He started off what we read this morning, treasure. So treasure is more than money. That's what we need to understand. Treasure is more than money. It could be all kinds of things. One of the things that my wife is, is, uh, is all about is family. Like, like the true treasure is family. She actually made, she found this quote, made this picture a while back of my boys when they were a little younger and my uh, nieces and a couple of their other, my boys, other cousins there. Um, and so she made this picture and this quote that she found says, all true wealth is biological. And she had just like her screensaver forever. It was like just this reminder, just this celebration that every day is we are wealthy because we have family. So what else? What, what are some things you might treasure that money can't buy? Talk to me again. What are some things we can treasure that money can't buy? Love. Life. 
was that? Appreciation. Appreciation. Yes. What else? Joy. Joy. The people in your life. life. Good. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Sisterhood. Don't leave out the sisters. Brotherhood and sisterhood. You gonna say something, Lexi? Time. 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 That's good. Anything else? Some things that money just we know money can't buy. Friendship. Friendship. Good. This is good because what we're talking about here is these are the things that we're going to get to understand. This is what Jesus is talking about, things that we should treasure. And so let's talk about it. Jesus says, don't store up treasures like the, rest of the, like the rest of the world does. Store up treasures in heaven. Now, Jesus isn't just necessarily talking about some future eternal home with golden streets and mansions and all that kind of stuff that we think about when we hear the word heaven. The phrase store up treasures in heaven, it's about receiving the life Jesus gives. It's about not just then someday, store up treasures in heaven. Someday you'll die and you'll get to go enjoy it. It's about now. Treasures of heaven are about now, the, the type of life you live in the now. Because in this type of life, in this fullness of, of this life that Jesus says I came to give you, to store up these treasures are, are things that are not like earthly treasures. Earthly treasures are easily corrupted. Things that he uses the words like moths will come in and destroy. They will rust or thieves can come and steal them. He says, the kind of treasures you need to store up are the kind of treasures that no one can steal. No one can steal your friendship. Nobody can steal your family. No one can steal these things away from you. So to store up treasures in heaven means to, have the, to place the highest value on the things that cannot be corrupted in these ways. Things that don't lose their value. Things that no one can steal. That's what Jesus is saying where we should find our treasure. So we've mentioned it uh, before I mentioned a few times actually over the last couple of weeks one of the things that most of us treasure is freedom with freedom comes responsibility that's a big word isn't it because um, if you're in charge of making a decision you're responsible for what happens as a result of that decision that's it. that's life that's adulting 101 right there it's like being responsible is what being an adult is all about you probably heard that before and, and, and i had this when i was much younger and i would tell my parents why don't you treat me like an adult i was like 17 like you know the, the answer is why don't you act like an adult in other words responsibility that's the main thing that's about that phrase is about and, and the thing about freedom is we desire freedom, but there is no freedom without responsibility. There's no freedom without the responsibility that comes off. Because too often we want all the freedom, but not to be held responsible. And we, we don't, it doesn't work that way. Um, so here's a, that's the truth, though. Jesus awakens us to this truth that you are free to treasure what you want. You're free to treasure whatever you want to desire. He says, here's the way to life, though. Don't store up treasures like, in the, like this world. Store up these treasures in heaven. This is the way to true life. But there's no abdication of responsibility. You get to choose how you store up treasure, but there's no abdication of responsibility because you're also responsible for what you choose to treasure. You're responsible for the desires of your heart. That's adulting. So a lifestyle that Jesus calls storing up your treasures in heaven, I, I, I use that as like, that's a lifestyle. Store up treasures in heaven. It's the lifestyle Jesus calls us to. It's one where you work hard. It's one where you, you're, you become wise with what you do have. And then you begin to build good habits and have a solid foundation for your future. Which leads us to kind of our looking at the things that we do have. And one of the things that we need is money. I mean, we need money. 
most of us understand that. Sometimes we have this want-need thing we don't get. Like sometimes we want more money than we need. Right? Sometimes we want more things than we have money for. And we've got to be careful about that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But here's the thing about money. The first thing we need to really understand about money is money does not equal success or security. Money does not equal success or security. So we talked about the first question earlier was what are some ideas we have about money in our world? One of those things is, well, money is success. Money will give you happiness. And what we find is those two things are myths. Miscommunication. You could use the word lie. Those two things are lies. So back to my friend who was considering pursuing church ministry as a vocation. His family was concerned, not that he couldn't do a good job as a pastor. They weren't even like asking the question, is God, the Holy Spirit, really calling him to do this with his life? Their problem was security for the future for their son. The, you know, seeing their son be able to do something that they would look at and go, he's successful. He has a secure future. The problem was they were buying into this myth or this lie that money makes you happy. Or, as I've heard it said, might have been Tariq. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. That's what a lot of people say, right? Yeah, one of y'all said that the other day when we was talking about this. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And that's what kind of the, the, the idea that his family was kind of buying into. So what does success look like? What provides real security? That's our real question. What provides real security? And what does real success look like? Because it seems that to be popular, a popular thought is that success means having a job that I'm passionate about and I love it every minute of it and it provides the income in such a way I can buy what I want when I want. We consider that success. Um, I see you shaking your head. You already know we need a reality check <laughs> if, that's, if that's the way we look at this. Because very few of us find we can do what we're passionate about and actually find somebody to pay us for it. Right? Yeah. Very few of us are going to find that we're going to find a job that we absolutely love every minute of so that we can pay the bills and or even live in luxury. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like, be able to live, like, not worrying about a single thing. We have these ideas that, that this is where we're at. So I'm fortunate enough, I get to do something that I've grown to love and be very passionate about. Not everybody gets to do what I do. Like, I get to, I absolutely love my job. And I feel like this has, like, the, become the passion of my, it wasn't always, though. You go back and ask the me who was your age, you want to be a, you want to be a pastor one day? No. <laughs> Absolutely not, because my dad's a pastor. And I don't, not that I didn't want to be like my dad. My dad's a good man. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do what he did. I, I saw lots of stuff. But now I come back and go, I, w- I can't see myself doing anything else. And I've done lots of other things. And I may one day have to do some other things to pay the bills, but I could not see myself never doing this. Because it just has become, and, and I'm one of the few, I'm, I get it. When I try to talk to people, it's like, I understand I'm one of the few they get to get, get paid for now for doing something I really love to do. But, but here's the thing about it, though. You don't have to love your job. <laughs> now, if you hate your job and if you're miserable at your job, I would highly recommend finding some other place that you can work and not be miserable. Because if you're miserable, you're going to come home miserable. You're going to make your family miserable. You ju- you'll just be miserable. So, but you don't have to love your job. That's not a requirement. It's not necessary to pay the bills. That's what a job is for, to, to, to make money to pay the bills. And you don't get paid for enjoying your job. I don't get paid for enjoying being a pastor. And i got to give you some full disclosure. There's some parts of my job 
as awesome as I, as I is and I, as I, and I love it. There's some parts that are hard and there's some parts I don't like about my job. There really are. There's some parts, that, but you know what you do? You put in the work. You put in the work and you do, you go forth with the effort that, that it takes to do it. The scriptures give us a few things to consider when we're thinking about success and security, especially as it relates to money. Colossians 3.23, which is from a letter in the, in the New Testament, says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than people. I mean, that's good stuff right there. It's like work willingly at whatever you do, as if you're working for God, the Lord, instead of people. It'll change your mindset. I mean, you could be having a horrible day, and if you just stop and go, wait a minute. I'm going to do this because I'm going to do this like I'm doing this for, for, for God. It'll turn you around. It'll turn around your attitude as you go, go forward in that work. It might even work with homework. I don't know. Probably would. Success and security aren't in what you earn. They're not in your status. And success and security are not in money. It's about your heart. It's about your attitude towards what you do. And another letter in the New Testament called 1 Timothy, what we call it, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. If anybody's in here and you're rich and I don't know it, that verse is for y'all. <laughs> that verse is for all of us, though, to take whatever it is that we have, whatever's been provided for us, and use that to bless other people because that's where we find the blessing. So we're finding that treasure in heaven is this life that's not all about money and stuff that money gets us. So what does a Jesus view of money look like? Here's what I want to talk about, finding your freedom and your finances finding your freedom and your finances there's something that's uh that's when you get to this topic in church people get real uptight and most church plants they wait till like year seven to ten before they ever preach on money because they're like oh we don't want to scare anybody off because this is a scary thing but jesus talks about money more than anything else in his sermon if you read the teachings of jesus more than anything else he talks about this and so it's like why would we not i mean it's it's this part of part of who we are being a follower of jesus about five years into our marriage shelly and i we've been married be 30 years next year so 29 years um but five years into that we made a decision we had, we had uh, not been following Jesus when we got married, but we began to slowly follow him. We made some, some life-changing decisions, and, and in the midst of that, we began to really get grow spiritually, and it made our marriage phenomenal. And, and in the midst of this, we re- realized something. I wasn't doing something I've been taught to do my whole life growing up. It's called tithing. Anybody ever heard that word before, tithing? So a few of us have heard this word. And so a tithe is usually we hear that, and we think, oh, that's church money. That whatever money I give at church, that's, that's tithe. We use that word there. And it's not exactly what it means. So tithing is this old English word from the, from the English language before it got modernized. It literally means tenth. Like if, if we would have been using today's English, that word tithe wouldn't be anywhere in our vernacular in the church because it's the word that means tenth. One tenth is what it is. But the, the word is from the old English. But the practice goes way back to the, the Hebrew people, like way before like our Old Testament. This is where the practice began. And it began with those folks who would take their what they call the first 10 percent of whatever they had. 
and it was their crops or their flocks or whatever, and they would bring that in and they would give it. And there's, as you progress through the story of the people of God, through, through the scriptures, before the time of Jesus, you see it changes a little bit from time to time. The tithe, the tithe is meant for this or this or this through there, but, it, but it's always been a practice. And in the time of Jesus, he confirms it. He even says, there's even one place where they said, should we tithe? You know, should we give because, you know, because religions corrupt Jesus, should we tithe? And he goes, yes, you should tithe. But don't neglect the most important things. Take care of each other. Basically, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a paraphrase of what he told him. He said, yeah, tithe, but do the most important things too. Don't just say, I put in my, my coins in the, or my dollar bill in the bucket so I'm good. But love your neighbor. Really love your neighbor. So Shelly and I came to this understanding. We have to do this. We need to do this. We talked about it. We had a little bit of an argument because she handles our finances. And, 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 and when we got to this, I'm like, we need to be tithing. So we had a good, we came to understanding. Jesus cleared it up for us. So we started tithing. We decided right then, we're going to do this, which is 10% of our income, whether we can afford it or not. We made that decision. And that's been like 15, that's 20 years ago. 25 years ago that we made that decision and we've stood by it and in the midst of that time God has blessed us richly in the midst of that time we had to file for bankruptcy but we still tithed in the midst of that time she's been laid off she's laid off right now and it's probably the fifth or sixth time since we've been married she's got laid off that can't feel good <laughs> I love my wife but, she, but, but when she, there was times she got laid off we still did it we had a car be repossessed. We've been there. We still tithed. God, God answered the prayers. We got the car back. We know what it's like to go, the lights go off. And you're like, we didn't pay the light bill. Can we pay the light bill? No. We know what that's like. We've been there. So now we are so like, we, we see what we have now, which isn't a lot. But what we have now is like, it's a gift. And we've been consistently tithing ever since we started out um, about five years into our, ma- our marriage. Here's the one thing that we've learned is we've never gone without God's provision. I mean, look at me. I ain't hungry. <laughs> we've never gone without God's grace. We've never gone without peace. We've never gone without joy. We've had problems. But what we've understood is you can't outgive God. You can't. So... What does how we use money have to do with the relationship with God? Jesus has a, he has a pretty clear view of money. He says no one can serve two masters. He makes it pretty explicit here. You will end up devoted to one and despising the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. So actually, you know, I said Jesus talks about this more than any other topic. He says you can't serve God fully. He can't be God if money's your God. And if money is your God, it may be subtle. You may not say it in those terms, but if that's the most important thing, then that's your God. And Jesus says you have to make the choice. So the reason why Jesus has so much to say about money is because money causes more problems for people than just about anything. And it's not actually the money that causes the problems. It's our attitude about the money that causes the problems. Um, it's how we, how we use the money or how we allow the muni- money to use us that causes the problems. There's two myths or misconceptions that can steal your freedom when it comes to this, when it comes to money, when it comes to finances. One is, it was one of those myths we already talked about. M- money will make me happy. More money will make me happy. That's a myth. It's a misconception. It's a lie. Um, 
there's actually been legit sociological scientific studies done about this. I've been reading these scientific studies, and it's like it's absolutely the opposite. It's like the more money, they, they do study of these folks who are rich, like billionaires, and the more money they make, the less happy they say they are, the more depressed, the more lonely they say they are. It's like, it's like the opposite of what we think is what scientific, this is science, y'all. It's not me saying, well, this is preacher stuff or the Bible stuff. This is science saying, yes, more money does not make you happy. It actually takes you the other way. So it's a myth. The other myth is um, it's one that's pretty popular in our culture, and we heard it a while ago. We're talking about some ideas about money. It's that money is the root of all evil. And actually, well, that's in the Bible, but it's actually a misquote from the Bible. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the money that's the evil. It's our, our attitude about it. It's, it's, it's where its place is in our heart and our life is. Where is your treasure, as Jesus would say? And if our treasure is on things of this earth, like money especially, he says that's the roots of all kinds of evil, all kinds of things. The love of money can cause you to behave unethically. We see that all the time. It's in the news all the time. People behave unethically because of the, the, the love of money. And, and the love of money can cause you to take advantage of others. You know what that is? That's the opposite of love your neighbor. It's the opposite of the way of Jesus. You can't love your neighbor and take advantage of them. And who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus said everybody. Everybody. Doesn't matter what, where, what, where they're from, what they look like, who their mama was, who their daddy was. They are your neighbor, and you should love them as you love yourself. See, money is a tool. And it's given to us to accomplish something. It's a tool. What you use your money to accomplish. Our, our challenge is to use it to accomplish the good works of love that, that God has called us to, um, his purpose for our lives he, that he's, he's shaping us for. It's a challenge for us because that's an, that's an opposed, an opposition to using it for selfish reasons. And most of the time we, we do that. Well, it's my money. I earned it. It's, it's my money. Um, and so let's talk about some, some practical things that may help us to get through this, this uh, attitude. First one is, and this is one I've had to learn. I'm still, I'm still relearning this almost every day. All money's God's money. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, like you're not, you're like, you're just like I said earlier. If you're just kind of checking out this thing, you know, church and God and, and Christ, um, this is not one for you. This is for those who said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to have a relationship with God. And as that part of that relationship with God, you become to under, you come to understand that all money is God's money. The question is often, why does God need my money? You ever, ever heard that? Ever asked that? I've asked that. I've heard, as a pastor, I've heard that like numerous times. Why does God need my money? I mean, if he's God, he owns everything. Why does he need my money? And I'm like, if he's God and he owns everything, that's already his money. Why does he need my money? The question is rooted in seeing this is mine. It's something I earned. It's something that, that, that I can choose to do with as I please. But when we acknowledge that God is the creator, he gave you the abilities he gave you the mind. He gave you the strength. He opened the doors of opportunities for you to earn money. When you begin to see it that way, your view changes. It's not my money. It's God's money that he's entrusted to me to do the right thing with. So I'm going to do the right thing with it. Everything you have, every ability, every opportunity, every talent, every moment is a gift from God. And as I follow Jesus... I'm seeing that He is the Lord of everything in my life. 
Not just my Sunday and my Tuesday and my Wednesday. He's the Lord of everything I do in my life. It's not my money, it's His. That's the attitude I've grown to adopt. And I pray that you would pray about what does that look like for me in your own life. A second thing is to be careful of debt. Be careful of debt. Whether you are a Christian or not, please be careful of debt. <laughs> Limit your debt. Work to pay off the debt you have, and then be careful about taking on new debt. I'm going to give you an example, because we do reach so many students through our ministry, and, I, and we pray we're about to reach even more as we get the mix, kind of get going. That's our kind of a campus ministry that we got about to start up. Um, actually, it's already started up. It's about to really get rolling, put it that way. Um, debt, student loans can be very wise if you're going to see yourself get into occupation where you can earn the kind of money to pay off those student loans. But if you're going into an occupation that you're not, student loans may not be that wise. I'm telling you from experience. I got my degree 21 years ago this May. I still have thousands of dollars to pay back. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if, you're going, if you are praying about going to be a pastor, please don't take out student loans. <laughs> Seriously. But they can be great if you're going to go into a career where you can pay those back. And be particularly careful with credit cards. When we're talking about credit and, and debt, be particularly careful with credit cards because the interest rate on credit cards, it's, it's ridiculously high. And the credit cards are set up for this minimum payment structure that you make this minimum payment, and, and it, what that structure is to do is to build you up over a lot of years to keep paying that high interest rate. If you use a credit card, please make sure that you pay off the full amount every month, if you can, because when you carry it over, it adds up even more because they add that interest to it. Please be careful with debt, especially credit card debt. If you get a credit card, don't spend more money than you know you can pay that month. If you know, I want to pay all my bills and I'll have $200, I just don't have it yet, I'll put it on my credit card. Then when you get paid, take that $200, you get the bill, you pay it. Don't buy something for $700 if you're only going to have $200 to do it. Well, what if I really want it, Pastor Steve? Do what Pastor Steve's learned to do the hard way. Save up $5 a week. It may take you a year to buy that video game, but then you can buy the video game. And then you won't even want it no more. <laughs> but they, they announce so far in advance when your video game. I know this because I like some video games. How far in advance when the video game's coming out? Like the game I, I want to play, I already know it's coming out in October. I already know. It's coming out in October. I can start today. $5 here, $5 there, and save up. So when it comes out, I don't have to break the bank. I don't have to go into debt. I can actually do something with, with money that I've saved up. It's a smart way to do it. Another thing is have a budget. Have a budget. And it's a good idea to know how much money's coming in and how much money's going out. And I say that this is somebody who I don't do the budget in our family. My wife does it, and I just kind of I look at it and go, okay. <laughs> That's kind of how our, our thing works. You may find something that works better for you. But there are apps. That, that sounds like a lot of work to me. But there are apps that you can get, a free app on your phone to help you make a budget. Please learn to budget. Uh, it may it will make your 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 spiritual health your stress level so much better if you have a budget. Um, be generous, be generous because you're happier when you're giving giving somebody to somebody else rather than taking for yourself. Again, science studies. I keep reading these things. They keep putting out and go. It is proven scientifically that you are happier. You have a better life. You've better better fulfillment in your life when you're giving as opposed to receiving. 
I always heard, what's better to give than to receive? That's an old cliche. And I was like, yeah, but it's good to receive too. Okay, it's good to receive. I'm not going to lie. But it's better to give because if there's something, and science proves this, something happens in our body, some chemicals released that just makes us feel happier, more, more, more confident about our lives when we're generous. The better you manage your money, the more generous you can be. That's, that's, like a, that's, a, that's a true thing. Why, why is it good to have a budget? Why is it good to, to be careful with debt? Because the more you manage your money, the better you manage your money, the, money, the more generous you can be, and then the more fulfilled you'll be. See, it's all not just about the money. It's about you storing up treasures in heaven, heaven, treasures that cannot be stolen from you, like peace of mind, joy in your heart. That's what Jesus is talking about. And the last one I would say is, especially if you are a follower of Christ, honor God with a tithe. Honor God with a tithe. Because the whole storing up of treasures in heaven lifestyle, we can often wonder, how can I really know I'm honoring God? You guys ever, ever thought, ever had that question? Like, you, like, how do I know that I'm honoring God for my life? This is something I've learned. Like, for me, because Jesus makes it clear that money has more potential than anything to take my attention away from God, to take my love away from God, to take my worship away from God, that is what I do with money that's a good indicator. And if I'm tithing, if I'm taking that 10%, and, and I'm, I'm doing that before in our home, that's before we pay bills. It used to be like you can, you can tithe 10, that 10%, or you can pay off all your bills and go, well, whatever I got left over, I'm going to give some to God. That's like saying, okay, my leftovers are good enough for the creator of the universe. The, the universe, I mean, you're going to give your leftovers to God? I'm going to give my first 10%. The other things, right now, it's tough. But we find the money somehow is there to pay the bills. Sometimes we ask for grace. Sometimes we, we, we have to let something go. Sometimes we have to turn off a, a you know, cable or some something we're paying for, some $10 a month deal. Sometimes we have to turn some of that off. But what we find is it's best to not try to give God leftovers, but to give Him the first because the tithe then becomes that honor line. Like, if I, how do I know I'm honoring God with my life? If I'm at least giving that 10% of whatever my income is, if I'm at least doing that, I'm honoring God. I'm, I'm saying money's in its rightful place. I'm giving to God first. So you can get a good idea of where your honor is at, where your worship is at. And for my family, that's the first thing that's in our budget is the tithe. So work hard and be wise with what you have, and you'll build good habits and a solid foundation for your future. So every week when we kind of before we leave, I like to give us a next step, like something to do next, how to actually be this message. Um, here's a challenge, and it's going to be up to you to take the challenge or not. I'm not going to check up on you. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to be looking to see if you drop something in our little white buckets out there on the way out. But the challenge is this. Commit to tithe for one month and just see what a difference it makes in your spirit. Or commit to, maybe, maybe you already tithe, commit to being generous for one month. Make that commitment. Like for one month, I'm going to tithe. I maybe I've not been doing it. Maybe I'm, I'm just going to do this as, as just a challenge to see or be generous for one month and see what a difference it makes in your spirit. Now, whether you do this or not, it's between you and God, not between you and me. And you can take the, the tithe, that 10%, and that's, between, that's for you to go wherever God leads you to put it because it's God's. 
Now, you may pray about, if you're making Awakened Church your home, <laughs> how do I see this continue to grow and be something? Because one of our goals ongoing is we want to become a self-sustaining church. We're not there. I mean, it would be great. So our first step, our first goal is to be able to afford our rent here weekly, which we, are, we can't. If we didn't have uh, wonderful financial people, churches that, that, that partner with us on a regular basis, and they have been for a couple of years, and they're committed to for quite a while longer, but if we didn't have them, we wouldn't be able to do this. Maybe pray about, you know, God, this is my church. This is my home. You may say, well, what difference would my $2 make? That's between you and God. So I'm asking you just to, get, to do as God leads you. Lord, lead us all. Lord, as we kind of end this today, and I know this is uh, kind of in our culture, we don't like the, the church to ask for our money and, and, uh, and all that. But Lord, we just, we just um, we acknowledge for us, Lord, we're, we're trying to come to this understanding that, that it's all yours, that whatever we have, whether we have, whether we have a little or if we have plenty, it's from you. You've provided it. And so, Lord, we're going to work at trusting you with it. And our first step, the first step is the tithe. And so, Lord, some of us in this morning, we're praying about what does that look like for me to tithe, to take a tenth of whatever income I have from wherever it comes from and give that back to God? Is it, is it putting it in the buckets at church? Is it giving it to a, a food pantry? Is it, is it, what is it? Well, we're going to let you decide, you're going to let you guide us into that. And as you do, Lord, we also know that you're, you're working some of our hearts to be generous. To give, of, to give of ourselves, to give of our time, not just our money, but, Lord, our energy and our passion and, and Lord, just our, our focus sometimes more than we do to others. Because this is where we store up treasures in heaven. That right here, right now, we can store up friendship. We store up family. We store up peace. We store up joy. We store up eternal life. We store up, Lord, just the joy of being alive and freedom God what a treasure that is and we store that up and we are about the, king, the things of your kingdom and not ours and so Lord in this moment Lord we just invite you to move in every single one of us uniquely in the way you desire and lead us forward in whatever step is next for us to take in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.